1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. It is August 19th, 2016, and you are indeed listening to the Locked On Magic Podcast. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And on today's episode, be uh, I took a little bit of a break yesterday because I had the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast with David Iwanowski. We talked a little bit about the schedule and the Magic's offseason, so be sure to check that out. It's a little bit longer than our normal episode, so it gets the special designation of Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. Uh, so be sure to check that out, but I'm back today, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Olympics, especially uh, Mario Hazonia. Uh And then also, I'm catching up on a few things, and... Uh, there's an episode of Locked on NBA where a, a NBA scout shared his thoughts on the Orlando Magic, and so I will share that with you and uh, and uh, talk a little bit about that as well. Before we get started, though, I do have a brief announcement. Uh, no mini mailbag this week, but I will be doing a full mailbag up on orlandomagicdaily.com, so feel free to send in your questions directly to me on Twitter at omagicdaily. You can use the hashtag LockedOnMagic there. Or you can send them to me via email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. You can also, of course, put them in the comments section on the article that I'll be posting about it later today. So be on the lookout for a full mailbag uh, answering all your magic questions as we hit the dead point of the season. Also, be sure to download the podcast on iTunes. You can get it directly to your iTunes-enabled listening device, as well as Audio Boom and Stitcher. We're working to get on TuneIn Radio as well, so there are multiple places you can go to get the Orlando to to get Locked On Magic and all the great content, all all the great daily content we have on the Orlando Magic. And be sure to check out the other great content on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, As always, subscribe, leave comments, let us know how let us know how we're doing. Let us. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us a five-star rating if you would, and we greatly appreciate it as we're trying to get the podcast out. And tell your friends if they're looking for a good NBA podcast, or looking to learn a little bit more about the Magic, that's what I'm here for. Every day, going to uh, give you some information about the Magic. So that will get us started today on this Friday. Since we took yesterday off, that does mean that we missed a day of recapping uh, Olympic basketball, some really good the, some uh, surprisingly uh, blowout basketball during the quarterfinal play uh, over at the Olympics. Uh, the mostly the favorites won. Uh, Australia def- destroyed Lithuania. Uh, the the Spain Spain defeated France pretty easily. The U.S. defeated Argentina pretty easily. It was a really really strong game for the U.S. Probably their best game of the entire tournament. They uh, the first unit really struggled, got down by ten points, and. Uh, had a lot of difficulty uh, to scoring and and playing defense. And that's been their problem all tournament long is they've just been really inconsistent with their offense and their defense has been atrocious. In comes the second unit uh, with Kevin Durant. Uh, So Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, uh, DeMarcus Cousins this time. They come in, Paul George. They come in and completely change the game. They get down, they play a little defense, they get out in transition, they're able to get to the basket a little bit better. And all of a sudden, the U.S. races past Argentina, wins the game pretty easily, pretty comfortably, uh, and the U.S. advances to the semifinal round to be played Friday at two thirty. Hopefully, you're not listening this to this too late. Um, really, that really that that whole game was the revelation of this team's identity. That certain players, uh, Paul George and Kevin Durant, just kind of had this. I'm taking over attitude. If they finally started playing like they do while they're in the NBA, I think a big problem with Team USA sometimes is uh, there's there's so much focus put on telling stars to to check their ego at the door a little bit and, and be part of a team, uh, and everyone knows who they're playing for. They know they're playing for that name on the front, and they don't want to be the guy that, that doesn't follow the program. Because essentially— that's what torpedoed the 2004 team in many ways. They had a lot of guys that, that just tried to do it on their own, and no one wants to be that guy. But it's it, at a certain point, you got to let Bartlett be Bartlett, and you got a um, West Wing reference there for everyone. But at some point, you got to let these guys play how they nor- how they want to play. And you know, when Kevin Durant starts attacking the basket and, and and doing some ridiculous moves, he's going to get others involved. He's he's a player that you can trust to. Get his own, but also force others to, but also get others involved. Um, that hasn't always been the case with this team this 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 time around. Everyone's kind of been passive. Duran especially has been very passive, and so the U.S. needed a kick in the butt, and and they got that kick in the butt, uh, and really uh, really did a, a fantastic job, kind of pushing themselves to, to get to get into this into this game, and and and. Beat a very good Argentina team. I mean, it was an emotional day in, in Rio on on Wednesday because it was the last game for the gen, for the Golden Generation for Argentina, and obviously, it, obviously it was a very very difficult team. They're a good team. They jumped out to a ten point lead. The U.S. had a lot of problem keeping Campaso out of the lane, and then once they turned it on, it was clear who the best team was. And that's the way it, that's the way it, it's been this entire tournament. The U.S. just hasn't been on the same page at all, and that's why they've really struggled. Friday is not going to be any easier. They play Spain. Uh, I'll be getting to the Croatia-Serbia game in, in just a moment, but I want to talk a little bit about U.S.-Spain. Spain has probably been playing the best of any team in the tournament entering this game. They had a 50-point blowout win over Lithuania that, that frankly, torpedoed Lithuania's tournament. Uh, Spain lost their first two games by a combined, I think, like six points. Uh, everyone knows the block that Dario Saric had uh, on Pau Gasol at the buzzer uh, in the first game, and in the second game, they just they just got beat uh by, by Argentina, I believe. Uh but now Spain is playing really, really well. There are some rumors that Paul Gasol may not play, and that's obviously a huge, huge deal for the US, especially since uh Orlando Magic's own Sergio Baca is not on the roster. Uh but and of course Sol are not on the roster either with an injury, but this is a very this is gonna be a very difficult game. Spain has very good guards. We know who Ricky Rubio is, uh Sergio Rodriguez is one of the best players not in the NBA. I believe he's coming over this year. Uh, we're going to get to know Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh, we're going to get to know Sergio Lul. Um, these guys have been in and out of the NBA. Some are just starting their careers and getting into the NBA. Uh, but they're still very, very good players, and they played together for a very, very long time. Uh, it is no coincidence that they play really well together. Uh, Tony Parker, I believe, said after the game after the game on Wednesday that Spain played like the Spurs. They're the they are essentially right now the Spurs of the the uh, of the of the tournament. The U.S. is a, a weird mix of the Golden State Warriors and Oklahoma City Thunder, so that should give the U.S. some confidence. But uh, certainly the U.S. can and should win this game, but they've got to play like they did Wednesday and probably a little bit better because Argentina is not as good as Spain. It's not as strong as Spain is right now. Uh, Spain is gonna gonna be a really stern challenge. Uh, no one is expecting a cakewalk. We all know that Spain, you know, eight years ago, challenged the U.S. in the gold medal game, like really challenged them. It was a close game, and Kobe needed to bail them out. I don't know if it'll be that close this time around that that team is very, very different now, but it's not going to be an easy basketball game. It should be a very competitive basketball game, uh, and the U.S. will have its work cut out for it uh, if it's trying to win. Now, you look on, like, the women's side, the women have just dominated everyone. They needed a third-quarter run to put France away in their semifinal round. I would expect that kind of a game where the U.S. and Spain are going back and forth. It wouldn't surprise me if the U.S. falls behind early again, especially if Coach K doesn't change the lineup to, to that defensive-minded lineup that he used to start the game. Rotations have got to tighten. you got to play your best guys here, uh, and at least the guys that are working, uh, and, uh, and make sure you get this win. This is a humongous game for the U.S., uh, the final game, of course, on Wednesday was Serbia-Croatia, and I'm going to talk a little bit more in detail about that game for our featured segment. But Croatia and but progression Serbia had the best game of the day by far. Serbia got uh, Serbia fell behind early. It looked like Croatia was was playing really was going to play really well. They've obviously got a lot of great shooters. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic doing his scoring thing as usual, uh, but then the offense just kind of stopped and this has been a pro- this was a problem for Croatia throughout the tournament. They would get stagnant, they'd rely too much on isolations with Bogdanovic, they turned the ball over, uh their defense would slowly kind of crumble. Bilan is good but not great as a as a as a defensive backstop. Uh, and Serbia began to pull away. They took control in the second quarter with a big second quarter run. Uh they I they, they took the lead and then they had a big third quarter run. The third quarter especially was the disaster for Croatia. Dario Saric really lost his cool. He, he got dunked on. I don't think that had much to do with it. I know people like to point to that that play, but uh, Saric was getting frustrated with the referees. It, you could see his kind of youthfulness come out there, and uh, obviously it, it hurt Croatia. But it did provide. But it did provide an opportunity for Mario Hazonia, and he played fantastic throughout the fourth quarter of that game. Really helped. Croatia get back into the game and give them a chance to win. They were down by three at one point. They were down by three late in the game. They never took the lead back, but they were down by three at one point. Uh, and, you know, Azonia had a game-tying three that, that he missed, and um, Croatia just couldn't get that last bit to get over the hump, and Serbia held on for the win. What is important about this game, though, is that Mario Azonia played such a significant role uh, for Croatia in this game. He was absolutely huge for them. Uh, and it didn't look like that. It looked like it would be that way. And, and, and certainly we didn't expect it to be that way considering how he's played throughout this tournament. The you know a lot of I mean we've talked a lot about Kazonia. We had a whole, we had a whole conversation with, with Chris Barnwell about this whether Hazonia was getting much out of this Olympic experience. And it's because his role is very kind of confined. Um, you know, we've, we've said he's he's kind of got a limited role. I mean, he's essentially he's essentially their spot-up shooter. Most offensive possessions, he'd move to the corner and just kind of stand there waiting for someone to get him the ball. Uh, and for for sure, Hazonia was good at that role. He performed that role very, very capably. Uh, I don't think anyone is willing to argue that. Uh, he shot the ball incredibly well uh, while... While, play, while playing there, he uh, had average 9.0 points per game, made 12 of his 24 three-point attempts. He had a 64.9% effective field goal percentage. So his efficiency was way, way up. He was asked to shoot threes, and he did that. Uh, what we wanted to see, what I wanted to see at least, was to see his Hazonia get on the ball a little bit more and attack. And he wasn't doing that there. And so my argument, and, and, and someone called me out because I... Kind of went against against myself or changed my mind on something, but my argument on Hisonia was was that I thought that he would have had more personal, individual development and improvement to do what the Magic need him to do if he had stayed here and done Summer League. But as I noted on the podcast uh, earlier this week, the caveat there is if he could play five, just even five minutes. Without Bojan Bogdanovic and Dario Saric on the floor and him having the ball in his hands during the Olympics, that would make the whole experience worth it for him because we'd learn more about him in those five minutes than we would the enti- through an entire summer league. And so what we saw in the fourth quarter of the game on-, game on Wednesday told us exactly what Mario Zoni has been working on and told us a lot about him. The big, the big takeaway that I have for Mario Hizonia from the Olympic Games is Hizonia has his confidence back. We all talked about during the regular season how Hizonia just didn't have the freedom to to play the way he wants to play or, or to, to to do very much. He was seemingly on constant, uh, constant alert. If he made a mistake, Scott Skiles was going to pull him. The, the, he didn't get a second chance at things. He didn't get a an opportunity to correct mistakes. The way the way Skiles approached him was: if you make a mistake, I'm going to sit you down next to me and we're going to talk about it. But you're not going to come back. You're not going to come back in and fix it. That was not some. You know, all the other Magic draft picks were afforded the opportunity to fix their mistakes in real time or to make mistakes, go back, look at them later, and then go to the practice floor. only didn't have that luxury. The Magic were trying to win. Certainly, you could argue the same thing was true with Croatia. And, but what was different was Hazonia understood his role. He played his role well. And, you know, anytime he came out of that box, yeah, he might have gotten pulled. But the coach still needed him. And the way Hazonia played was extremely confident. He looked like he had his swagger back. And, and I wrote about this for uh, Hardwood Paroxysm. His own, the reason everyone loved Hisonia was because of his bravado, and, and and he's and like he had that reputation of being like this this cocky guy, and that's not the Mario Hisonia I experienced last year with the Magic. I, I experienced a Mario Hisonia. He was very humble, willing to learn, hungry to do more, very hungry. Like he's very ambitious and very very. Uh, um, uh, I, I don't think hungry is the right word, but I don't know. I don't know if uh, I I don't know what the quite what quite what the right word is, but he was willing to learn. He was willing to uh, uh, understand what his coaches wanted from him, willing to play a role, but always hungry to do a little bit more, and and, and always eager to, to to pat a teammate on the back and and be there for his team. What really hurt him, though, was he was learning a new game, and his coach didn't give him the leash or or, or really instill confidence in him, but. He seemed to get that back on during the Olympic tournament. He seemed to get that back. He was taking jab step threes. He was he was doing he was doing some dribble moves around the three point line to, to free himself up, and he was hitting and making shots confidently. When he made it, when he made a shot, you knew about it. Uh, you you expected him to make shots, and you know his first year in the NBA, he really struggled uh, to make three pointers. I don't know if it was because he was getting used to the three point line uh, or, or what what the case was, but he really struggled to get three-pointers, and make three-pointers uh, in in, uh, in the NBA. It was certainly a concern because that was supposed to be his NBA-ready skill. So in the fourth quarter, he, he took what he did earlier in the tournament, making those three-pointers, and was finally put on the ball and made some good plays. He helped Croatia get back into this game and have a chance to win it. Yes, he made some mistakes. He still got a long way to go defensively. Uh, he did have a uh, he did have a moment where he dribbled into traffic and tried a dribble move that made his coach you know kind of look up at the sky in, in desperation or give him a give him a look. Uh, there was a little demonstration there between the two, uh, but he still got to work on that. He's still got to work on knowing when to dribble uh, transition. I, I trust Mario Izonia leading a fast break uh, more than almost any player on the Magic, probably except for Alfred Payton. I think. I think that's where Hazonia really shines is in transition, and that's not how Croatia plays. They don't get out in transition a lot. They had a few opportunities for that, and I thought Hazonia made the right play on both instances. Um, But Hazonia still... Hazonia, I think, is... Again, I learned more in those five minutes than I would have in Summer League, and so now I'm changing my tune. Yes, I am. That Hazonia made the right decision going to the Olympics. He's been able to work on the things he needs to work on uh, and has shown... Major improvement. Uh, I gave Azonia a B-plus for his Olympics. I thought he played very, very well. I thought he filled his role for what Croatia was asking him to do perfectly. And so I think uh, we can say he had a very, very— I think we could say he had a good tournament uh, and got a lot out of the experience in Rio de Janeiro. So if I'm Mario Azonia now, I take maybe a week and a half off, two weeks off, uh, and reset the battery a little bit. Uh, and then get ready to hit, get, you know, come back to Orlando maybe in the next two weeks, so probably by September 1st. Uh, I know a couple of the players are already here working out. Uh, I don't know if they're working out together, but they're working out in the Amway Center. Uh, I'd start joining that group and get ready for, Get ready for the season, because it's going to be a big one, a big sophomore season for Mario Hisonia. Uh, to close out today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a podcast that our colleague uh, David Locke did. Uh, for Locked On NBA. This was a few weeks ago. I'm still catching up on some emails, uh, so I wanted to make sure I got to this. Uh, On August 4th, it looks like, uh, uh, David Locke interviewed a uh, NBA scout, uh, and he talked about a lot of the different teams. Be sure to check that out and subscribe to Locked On NBA. He's had some great conversations with people. Uh, He recently talked to Portland Trailblazers head coach Terry Stotts. He's talked to Rob Mahoney of Sports Illustrated, as well as Jonathan Jarks of The Ringer. But we're going to focus in specifically on this uh, conversation he had with an NBA scout talking about the NBA teams. And they touched on the Magic, and obviously the Magic were a hot-button issue throughout the league uh, when it came to the uh, NBA free agency. And a lot of people are wondering what the Magic were doing. Why did they make these kind of somewhat confusing moves, especially when they seem to have such a good young core together. And the scout kind of gives his take on it, and so I'll, I'll play that, and then uh, we'll we'll react to it. Two teams in the Eastern Conference had kind of mysterious seasons. Give me an idea from a scout perspective how you think the Orlando Magic, as they are, and they've made themselves incredibly interesting, frankly, with with the way this roster is right now. For those who probably don't follow the – the Magic, uh, intently, they suddenly have a front court of Nikolai Vukovic, Serge Ibaka, Jeff Green, Bismack Biombo. I guess Aaron Gordon's a three, I'm not sure. Um, they, they. What's your feeling on what they've built there? Are they on to anything with that length of Ibaka and Biombo where they're actually better? Does it fit? What's your feeling on where the Magic are? I
0: have no idea. I, don't, I think they were throwing some darts against the wall, and Um, uh, it seemed like going into May, they had a plan and they'd been sticking to their plan. And then I don't know if a word came from the owners or, uh, impatience or what it was, but all of a sudden, uh, they had some interesting signs. I mean, Aaron Gordon's best position is a four. He's not a three man at this point. Uh maybe he could be one day but in the way the game's played he's uh he has a skill set that is that like a Draymond Green without the passing, blah blah, but um his best position is a four right now. And so all of a sudden you bring Serge Baku's over him. Uh Bismarck Biombo, you know, he owes a ton of money to Jonas Valanciunas for getting hurt. <laughs> That's the worst signing in free agency by far. Um, and, and they have a quality big in Vucevic that, you know, they had built around or with, uh, according to their plan. And then you bring in Biombo, who left Toronto because he wanted to get paid, but he's, he feels like he's an NBA starter. So how does that go? And how does the locker room play out when you have guys that, um, are making so much more that are playing behind you, and, and what do they think when they're playing behind the guy who's making less? And so it's uh, there's a lot of crap shooting going on, I think, in there, and and uh, so I think there will be a team that you know by trade deadline they're going to be an active team because they're going to have to move some people. Uh, to kind of get everything flushed out, and maybe that's what they did. Is maybe it's a free agent camp? They're going to see who plays best with the new coach, and then they'll get rid of whoever does it. Uh, I'm not really sure, but that it's a perplexing group.
1: And certainly, that's uh, going to be a uh, uh, you know certainly that is a fair take on on the magic. Uh, certainly, saying you know they've they're throwing darts uh, is you know, a little strong. It's definitely a strong take from from this NBA scout who spoke with David Locke on the Locked On NBA podcast. Be sure to check that out. Um, some good stuff from him there. Uh, I, I, You know, it, looking from the outside, I can see where people think it's throwing darts. I agree. I don't believe Aaron Gordon is a three. Uh, not until he improves his jumper. So maybe he has. Who knows? Um, maybe the Magic had some information to tell them that, yeah, this will work. He's ready to take on this role. Uh, but, Certainly, I think what, what gets undervalued here uh, is the, the scout is looking at players individually, and, and, and certainly there is question about how everyone fits together. And, and in that sense, yes, the Magic were kind of throwing darts there. They collected a lot of talent without really concern about who fits where. Does Aaron Gordon, can Aaron Gordon play the three successfully long-term? Does, is that going to stunt his growth if he plays a three and he's not a three? Uh, what do you do between Nikola Vucevic and Bismack but We've certainly spent a lot of time talking about that. Serge Ibaka, Jeff Green. Yeah, this is a free agent camp for them. If if they don't play well, they're not getting new contracts. Uh, so in that sense, yes, it, it is a it is a collection of talent. It is uh, some pieces that don't seem to have a very natural fit. Uh, but what I think is getting missed here is a sort of reevaluation of Nikola Vucevic in some, to some extent. Uh, a lot of people like Nikola Vucevic; they really do, and and I, I'm one of them. I do think Nikola Vucevic is a very good player, uh, but if you, I mean, if you've watched the Magic for any stretch of time, you know that they have a defense problem, and that defense problem stems from sure, Alfred Payton struggled a lot on screens last year, but the consistent the consistency in the defensive problem has always been Nikola Vucevic. I, I hate to say that it's not all on him, but his inability to protect the rim and protect the paint. Uh, and recover especially, has, has hurt this Magic team and their growth and their development, especially as they try to to establish a defensive identity. Uh, bringing in Serge Bach and Bismack Biambo fix that. They help establish an identity. And yes, the Magic are going to be figuring out what to do with Nikola Vucevic, and I agree with the scout that by the trade deadline, there's probably going to be some movement or at least some thought of some movement uh, for this Magic team. So uh, it's not quite... Uh, you know, it, it it doesn't. I don't think the Magic are as dire as the scout seems to make it seem. Uh, I think that that the ability to make trades and and, and have some free agency, uh, I think that shows despite the flexibility the Magic have despite maybe a directive to make the playoffs. Uh, the Aaron Gordon question is a big one. I, I don't think we can get around that. If Aaron Gordon does, if Aaron Gordon flops as a three, the Magic are in real trouble. They're going to have to make some big decisions. Uh, At the power forward position, especially Um, because you know, maybe you don't keep Ibaka, maybe you keep Gordon, maybe that means if Gordon flops at the three, that's his last chance. Who knows? Uh, I think the magic will be active at the trade deadline. Um, I do think that we'll see the magic involved in a lot of trade rumors. They've obviously got someone that they can market, Uh, but again, I I think saying they threw darts on at the wall is a little is going a little far. Um, I think that they had an identity in mind. They felt ready to move on from Vucevic in some way, or to challenge Vucevic in a more meaningful way. Uh, and yes, the Bismack Biombo signing looks pretty bad. That was a big contract to give out, especially for a guy that you seem to be bringing off the bench for the moment. But we'll see how that turns out. I mean, maybe that is what a backup center, an elite backup center, costs these days. Um, it seems like a lot, but you know, if you honestly, if you look at. Uh, like percentage of the salary cap, I think Biombo comes in at like a million at the twenty fifteen number. I think Biombo actually comes in like a million more than than Vucevic in terms of salary ratio. So, uh, you know, and, and we all agree Vucevic is woefully underpaid. So maybe that is what an elite backup center costs. Uh, and, and I'm sure Biombo wants to start too. So there's going to be locker room issues as well. Uh, there are a lot of questions about this Magic team, and I think it's fair to raise them, but. Uh, like I said, I, I I do think the Magic improved. Um, that wasn't something that was addressed by by the scout either. Uh, I do think the Magic improved. The question is whether it's enough to make the playoffs in a much more difficult Eastern Conference. I'll be sure to check out uh, Locked On NBA the 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 podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. David Lock does a great job uh, on that podcast. So be sure to download that. He's had d- discussions with. Portland Trailblazers head coach Terry Stotts recently. He talked to the Ringers, Jonathan Jarks. Sports Rob Mahoney. He's talked with Chad Ford before the draft. So be sure to check him out there. Also be sure to listen to some of the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is NFL season and so... There are we're picking up a lot of NFL teams as well on the Locked On Podcast Network, so I would encourage you to go check out Locked On Bucks, the, the podcast of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's hosted by Greg Alman of the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, he does a great job covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know they're one of our local teams. We don't really have an NFL team here in Orlando, and with the uh, with the big NFL game coming up next Thursday. Be sure to check out Locked On Falcons with uh, Knox Bardeen. I believe that'll be starting up next week. So be on the lookout for that. I'm sure he'll be talking a little bit about the Atlanta... um, He'll definitely be talking about the Atlanta Falcons, obviously. But I'm sure he'll be talking about next Thursday's game over at Camping World Stadium between the Atlanta Falcons and the Miami Dolphins. You can also check out some of the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, Yesterday on Locked On Spurs with our good pal Jeff Garcia, he spoke to... Danny Green, an exclusive interview with Danny Green of the San Antonio Spurs, so be sure to check that out. And again, if you if those aren't your teams, if you're not a Falcons fan, if you're not a Bucks fan, if you're not a Spurs fan, you can search pretty much any NBA team and any NFL team, and we will have a daily podcast for you just like this one on Locked on Magic. So be sure to check that out, download it. You can, again, get them all on Audioboom, iTunes. Uh, many of them are on Stitcher. Uh, so be sure to check that out, and remember to subscribe to our podcast, Locked On Magic. You can check us out on iTunes; get us downloaded automatically to your iTunes-enabled listening device, as well as on Audio Boom and Stitcher. And like I said, we'll be uh, trying—we're we're, we're trying to get into TuneIn Radio as well. So there are multiple platforms for you to download and listen to the Locked On Magic podcast, whatever your fancy is. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to give us a five-star rating. Comment on the show. And be sure to tell your friends. We want to get the word out before the season begins that there is a new daily podcast on the scene talking about everything about the Orlando Magic. Once again, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily. Be sure to submit your questions to the Orlando Magic Daily mailbag. I'll be answering those questions on orlandomagicdaily.com. You can contact me uh, via email as well at omagicdaily at gmail.com. That should do it for me. I'll be back Monday with a recap of the Olympic basketball tournament uh, and the final, will the U.S. win the gold medal. We'll also be beginning our positional ranking series. Uh, we've got a couple of those up on the site already, so I'll be counting down the best players at every position in the NBA as the as the schedule as the, this, this NBA schedule hits its a very slow season as we head into September and get ready for the beginning of the NBA season. Thank you all again for listening to Locked On Magic. Have a great weekend. We will check you all out on Monday. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ace is
0: the place with the helpful hardware, folks.